be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. I see a lot of people out there uh, getting diplomas, graduating from college, construction management degrees, engineering degrees, and uh, thank you for doing that. Somebody has to uh, sit at the computer all day and, and draw, design, fabricate. You know, there's architects, you know, coming up. It's a, it's a marathon for sure. You can't just uh, walk into a place and start going for it. Sometimes that happens, and then you, you kind of learn baptism by fire. Um, but if you don't have somebody, you know, double-checking you, uh, you can go kind of a long ways down that path making a lot of mistakes. So I think it's pretty important that there's some oversight you know, initially when, when people are getting in this business because um, it is it is predictable for sure. Um, but there's a, a lot of tips and tricks and uh, evolution that's happened, you know, to a degree that can help fundamentally shape positive, you know, outcomes as opposed to hitting the wall, making a mistake, and then learning on your own. I see that a lot. Uh, still happening to this day it kind of frustrates me that uh that people aren't taking that advice from some people that have been doing it so if you're gonna go you know get your degree and, and go work for a place have some faith man have some faith trust the process you know you may be doing some real and you may be doing some shit work but everybody did it and it's kind of how it is right and and it gives you a, a baseline it gives you uh, perspective on it gives you perspective for sure because you can't understand the whole thing unless you start at the beginning and I kind of take that approach with guys too you know if um, if somebody's there they get a couple of little test runs and we see if they really 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 want to be there or if they're just clocking you know hitting the time clock punching hours and I can tell you that you know we can tell if you're if you're there just to punch a clock we we know uh you can tell I mean most people that aren't those kind of people can definitely spot the ones that are and I'm not telling you you're you're taking a test but we're taking a test right and I don't care I don't care if you have a degree I don't care if you didn't graduate high school. I care that you can read. I care that you can write. Uh, I care that you have grit and some determination and you're accountable to yourself. You screw something up because guess what? We all fucking screw something up. Uh, it's inevitable, right? From the top down, from the bottom up. So so those are those are a few things that I'm, I'm checking out, you know, and I may put you through some really painful shit just to see if you'll quit, right? Nothing dangerous. Right, but it's gonna be annoying. It's gonna be hard. It might be hot as fuck. Um, but I need to know if you're a quitter or not. And if you're a quitter, you know, you're gonna get dealt with a little bit differently. Um, I'm gonna put you in some things that, if they get done, great. If they don't, that's not gonna hurt anything either. You're not gonna. Look, I'm not gonna give you that power to to control. You know how my job's running. You know on the site. So. If you want to be part of the team, that's on you. Uh, if you don't want to be on the team, that's also on you. So 
when you show up and you haven't been doing this before, have an open mind, right? Because the things you think you may understand about this business uh, may be true and, and they may be not true. Um, because it all depends on where you're in taking your information from. You know, if you solely live on LinkedIn and you're making a career change to come to construction, <laughs> I got news for you, man. Uh, the, the real gritty world of construction is not LinkedIn. It's fancy. It's nice. Uh, everybody's putting on, you know, their best foot forward. Um, and, and rightly so, right? Because the last thing we want to do is tell all the ways we screwed up because then our insurance policies go up our uh workman's comp gets weird uh you have a reputation you're trying to build right and so i'm not saying it's all bad but there are bad things that happen there's it's inevitable okay so big giant contractor building the stadium you know they may have one or two deaths in fact they've figured that into the bid um because you know shit happens uh, accidents really happen and, and, and it's super unfortunate. And so the thing about being the new guy is, uh, or new girl is having an open mind, right. In, in using a little bit of that God given common sense that we have and a little bit of that upbringing that we got and applying it to something, you know, if, if something isn't jiving, then you got to say something. If you feel like something's unsafe, because there's some old fuckers out there that are not safe, right? But it's not that they're being unsafe because they're reckless. It's it, Sometimes it's attributed to uh, them doing the same thing. They've always done it for 35, 40 years, and it was safe, you know, in the 80s. It's just not safe now. And so we kind of have to put everybody in check. But but at the same time, that we should be doing some refresher courses, uh, whether it's safety or it applies to something different. And that different thing could be uh, some stormwater training, some updated computer skills. It could be uh, some superintendent training from uh, an organization. It could be your own organization. You know, all that stuff matters. Because everybody's trying to help everybody get better. Because that—that is one thing I do see in the construction business is, as as much shit as I talk, the idea there's no like I'm not trying to bash anybody, right? So like it's trying to point out some stuff, have a joke, and then move on with you know how to solve that problem. The in all seriousness, you know this business is very serious. It's dangerous. Um. And the last thing you want to do is go inserting a bunch of um, bad info, uh, unknown info into a situation or injecting some, you know, opinion. And it costs people uh, money, uh, costs them time or costs them their lives. You know, there's, you know, roofing's a dangerous damn job. Ironwork's a dangerous job. Electrical, dangerous danger you know so like being a superintendent's not any less dangerous i think that we get caught up in we're not doing it per se right i don't have tool bags on in most cases um depending on you know how you're operating your how you're as a general contractor how you're operating sometimes i wore my nail bags sometimes i was snapping lines and laying out and setting doors and putting nailers on different companies just have different ways and so 
even though you have that degree or you have that construction management thing, and if you're trying to, you know, work in the office, awesome. Uh, but there still needs to be some people out in the field, like, putting this stuff together. I think um, you got you to gotta pay attention um, to, to what you're doing. You don't want to walk into a, an electrical room where you see an electrician all dressed up in uh, in their suit of armor and rubber gloves and, and they're working on some stuff where, you know, they may have an arc flash pop back. Uh, some superintendents, they're not cognizant of that. They'll walk right in and putting themselves in danger. Um, you know, tragedy happens all the time. I think that it, it can be averted, right? You can use your schedule to avert some some tragedy by not putting, you know, uh, somebody working a, a, around a building while you got block masons working because, you know, blocks fall, things happen. I think that you got to set up your, your zones, your, your access zones, and, and I think you have to control parts and pieces and you got to have everybody on the job site understand you know why there's certain things happening and, and why you can't go certain places i see a lot of dudes out there that don't acknowledge caution tape anymore because they walk through it all the time and they put themselves at, at risk i think that we have to do a better job at communicating out you know where the dangers are through their those job hazard analysis that that we should be doing I think that you should be having some conversations with people when they show up on the job site, just kind of giving them a rundown of, you know, what's going on and a, and a copy of the schedule. Um, I think that safety is overlooked a lot. I think that in California, it's, it's a pretty big deal, you know, with the heat illness, um, the risk for, from falls, uh, electrocution, things like that. Everybody's kind of running by the seat of their pants sometimes. And sometimes we've got to dial that thing back just a skosh and uh, and just hit reset and do a, a little refresher. You know, they do that stand down, uh, the national stand down, you know, for safety. And everybody's pumping it up and promoting it for a week. And it's all fine and dandy. But uh, let's be honest, guys, that shit is not meant for one week out of the year. It's supposed to be every day. And so, you know, through the course of time, while we're on the job site in the, in the, in the whole, you know, throughout the day while we're grabbing photos, while we're talking to subs, you know, we need to have this ancillary program running in the back of our head while we're moving through the space or the environment or, or job site or whatever you want to call it that we're, we're checking to make sure, you know, guys have fall protection and they have hard hats and they have their vests and they have their glasses, you know, and we should be doing it so often and so much that we don't even know we're doing it. And if we spot something, we have to say something, okay? Because a lot of people get so focused on what they're doing that we don't necessarily want to interrupt them. But at the same time, last thing I want to do is is see a, a an open end on a scissor lift and a guy running some pipe and him walk off the end of that thing and, and fall 30 feet. That That's... Uh, tragedy that can be avoided very quickly by just reminding him you know put the chain on lock the door you know whatever that that lift device is that he's in you know inside a building it's a scissor lift typically outside it's a boom lift you know but depending on how your job's going you may have scissor lifts outside too um you may have different things going on where you have uh no slab in your building and you're working on dirt and 
those electric scissor lifts are trash. So you may have some diesel powered things or propane powered. And so then now you have a, a, a hidden monster you got to deal with, which is that, uh, the fumes, right? Carbon monoxide. So the last thing you want to do is, you know, go, go into a building, everybody's passed out, you know, that's no good. So you got to take some other steps to, to make sure that you're protecting all the dudes too with, uh, you know, maybe set some fans up or pop some skylights out or kick the doors open or, you know, you know, whatever you can do to eliminate, um, some kind of tragedy because we don't all deal with the shit the same way as much as I like to think we do. Uh, we all hear something different. We all say something different. We all, our bodies react different. You know, we all got different blood types, um, allergies, you know, whatever that may be. And so, but we're all susceptible to carbon monoxide poisoning and electrocution and shit falling on our heads. So, so those given things that we can avoid, you know, there's a lot of really common sense standard practices out there that exist. And, you know, it should be just programmed in, you know, as we're walking around. You know, if you're taking photos for the client, you know, you don't want to embarrass yourself by, you know, taking photos of guys without hard hats. And they shouldn't be, I mean, they should be wearing hard hats anyway. Chances are your insurance is going to require it because the lawyers run everything nowadays anyway. So, you know... Use that as a as a reminder, you know, to to make sure everybody's got their PPE. Um, you know, guys cutting studs. They need safety glasses at a minimum. You know, if they're cutting with a with a chop saw or something like that. Uh, it's just good practice. Like nobody wants to lose an eye. And, and even though you've got you know PPE on, like I've had it happen to myself as a superintendent doing some road work. In the nighttime, I, I had my safety glasses on. I even had the cool ones with the freaking foam around them, uh, around your eyes. Hard hat, vest, it's night. We got lights up. We're doing things. We're grinding. We're this, we're that. And uh, I got something in my eye. I have no idea how. I had everything on that I should have had on. And, um, you know, I got a, I got a piece of uh, asphalt in my eye. And so that sucked. That sucked for a few days. Um and I couldn't attribute it to anything other than like dumb luck, you know. So, uh, been whacked by cars and and you know wearing my vest and and having all my construction signage up and roads blocked and and people still uh, drive through that shit because they're fucking dumb when they get behind the wheel. And so, nothing makes me more nervous than getting out on the streets and doing some work. That's why I try to tackle that stuff at night. And if I can get a road closure, I, I, I push for road closure because it's just safer. It's safer for all of us. So, um, and even when you have a road closure, you know, I've closed ramps on, on major freeways, you know, I five and still had, you know, drunken retards go through that stuff and almost wipe us out. Uh, and then, and then battle with local police departments to arrest them because they were somebody important and, and not giving in, you know? So, man, uh, no, even if we're, we're safe on our job site, we still have these outside influences that are, that are coming our way. And, and where I'm going with this is, you know, if you don't have your first aid and you're new to this, you like, you need to get it. If. Because it's a, it's a requirement in, in most states, if not all. 
Um, if you and you and that's first aid. CPR is another thing. You know, if you, I mean, I think you can get a CPR at American Red Cross while you do your first aid. I think that's important for people to have that too, because you never know when you may need it. Um, there was a time where uh, some concrete guys saved an electrician and they started CPR right away because uh, he got shocked. Uh, was, don't know how it happened. Uh, wasn't there. Uh, but I heard about it. And uh, it was really cool that the concrete guys, you know, were standing right there at the time and were able to go immediately right into CPR. They, they definitely saved that dude's life. Um, but they were trained, right? And so the, uh, sometimes, you know, don't roll your eyes when you get sent to a training class and, and don't fuck around with it because when you least expect it, you may need it. You know, it's just like anything else, like fire extinguisher, you know, we hope we don't need them, but we put them out, you know, just in case, cause you know, shit happens. Uh, and it happens in the weirdest places, you know, batteries explode and, um, things overcharge and overheat and things malfunction or, you know, sometimes fires start, you know, I've seen a water bottle half full of water start a fire, you know, and some grass. So having a clean job site, uh, can help, you know, deter, you know, keep some things safe. And, and the last thing you want to do is have, you know, trips and slips, you know, so this all goes together. Uh, as much as some people don't think it does, you know, everything is, is connected to something else. And so I think that, you know, other things have to be done to continue on, you know, a safe path. And there's a few things that I do, and I don't know if anybody else is doing them, but, but I do them. I make, gives me some, you know, feeling of confidence, I suppose. Um, it gives me, perspective on you know how things are and uh what they need to be and and so when i first roll into a town and, and while the job is progressing i don't just get up in the morning and go right to the gate unlock it and go in my trailer fire everything up and then go start walking the job i'll make a drive around the site i may go a couple streets away and kind of work my way in and just get an idea of you know who's out there you got some crackheads running around um you got people going to work early you got people um just out you know just trying to get a perspective Do, is the neighborhood got a bunch of broken windows you know that'll kind of give you a, a pretty quick idea of what kind of neighborhood you're in and then you know is my fence you know set up in a way that cars aren't going to run into it and am i secured enough that and i put the the bolts and the clips on in a way to where people can't, you know, easily take those panels apart. Cause the last thing you want to do is get a call at, you know, Saturday night and your fence, you know, is torn apart and it's laying in the middle of the street. You know, that's, that sucks. So, so the safety part of that, you know, is securing our things with the right clips and the right configuration. And I like to run the bolts on the inside and I don't know if your company does it, you know, I like to put a windscreen on and there's a love hate relationship with windscreen. <laughs> Some people love it and most people hate it. 
because if you're in a place where you're out in the open and the winds are blowing, you know, that shit's going to get blown over. But there's other things you can do to prevent that from happening. You know, you can stake it down or set some posts. Um, we all know that as soon as you do that, though, you're going to move that fence 400 times. So, you know, you can brace the legs. And I like to tie it off with some concrete stakes and put a rebar cap on. Uh, oh, you know, so the prevailing winds ain't, they're knocking, not knocking it down all the time. Um, but just getting that environment kind of assessed, you know, constantly outside of the job site as much as I'm doing it inside the job site. So as I point out those things throughout the day, you know, everybody has a, uh, there's no question that if the gates open, uh, it's all good. But if there's a panel in the fence open somewhere that I've got enough of the people on the job site cognizant to that not being a good thing, that they're reaching out and calling me because you can't be everywhere all the time. Right. So we're trying to build that team. That's that safety thing. So, uh, the other thing that I try to do is at least once a week, uh, get all the foremen together and kind of pick on each other about what's safe and not safe. And you'd be surprised at, uh, what some people that aren't electricians can point out as not being, uh, copacetic. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting. And at the same time, you get some cross training going on and, and, uh, people don't even know what's happening. So that, that takes a lot of work. Um, and it's hard to weave in sometimes cause we're all busy. Uh, but it is possible. Sometimes you can do these site visits where you're, uh, um, or, or, or site meetings where you're out in the building, you know, depends on what you're doing. Um, you know, with these big, you know, multi-level projects down in the city, that's a little bit harder to do. It's a lot to take in and everybody's time is pretty valuable. Um, but on these, uh, you know, these national retailers, I don't know. It's not that big of a deal to me. It doesn't seem like we do it. If you do them enough and, and you guys are in there, most everybody's going to be roaming around in there. You can split it up to, you know, deal with your site guys one time and, and your building guys another time and just kind of do an assessment on, you know, how's everybody's power cords? Are we plugging into the right boxes? You know, are we being petty about things and, and, uh, doing unsafe things to people, you know, just because, and does everybody know how to use a scissor lift? You know, just cause you put a vest on an art hat doesn't mean you know how to use it. Uh, some are, have different controls, you know, a genie and a JLG and a, and, a I can't even think of all of them, but they're, but they all operate just a little bit differently. And so everybody should have a little refresher from somebody that knows on, you know, how to operate that thing. And obviously there's going to be some back and forth, you know, with, with figuring out as you go. Um, but if you're the new guy, you know, they should spend some time with you to show you how these things work. You know, if you have never driven a forklift or operated a forklift, uh, which are two separate things, by the way, um, somebody needs to get you some training on how to operate that thing because we don't want to drive it. We want to operate it. Um, everybody can drive something, right? But operating, it's a, it's a different thing. And that takes some practice. That takes some training. Uh, there's a, some certifications out there to get that done and you can do it in-house or you can hire it out. And a lot of rental companies will do that. And so it does take time away from the day and it may, 
uh, you know, delay something that's more important. But at the same time, it's just as important because the last thing you want to do is smash somebody with a great dog because you didn't know how to use it correctly, right? So, so that training piece is there too. Um, and I think that we have to take it upon ourselves just a little bit more. Uh, you know, we have a first aid cabinet in a job trailer. Uh, we put them out on the job site too. So people don't have to come, you know, a mile away to the job trailer to get a, uh, their eye washed out or, or something like that. So, so we'll, we'll put those things out there, um, in our building on a platform, uh, so, so people can do it. it the, the sacrifice that you give though is people are going to pillage that thing. All right. So you have to pay attention to it. You got to refresh it. You got to do, you got to do a bunch of things with it. So some companies don't like to do that. Some do. Um, I think that if you, you're, you're creating a culture of safety and accountability for your actions, I think that other companies will have those things in place to augment what you're providing as a, a contingency. Right. So like if you're a GC and you're putting safety, uh, stuff out there, you know, in a, in a rolling roaming location, depending on how you're progressing through the job, you know, you got a first aid kit, cabinet, whatever, you got a fire extinguisher, you got an eyewash deal. Um, you got a sign on like the, uh, emergency evacuation plan if there is one. And then you got some roles and responsibilities, you know, that should be determined well before guys are in there working. Um, but it should be prevalent enough to where, you know, you can take a, a, have a 10 minute conversation about what it is or or maybe even five and at least let new people know, you know, where it's at and if they need something as a contingency. Um, but ultimately, you know, the, if you're subbing everything out, the contractors that are there doing work have that same obligation. In fact, probably more of an obligation because they have the employees where, where we don't. Uh, to provide that safety stuff for their people. And so, you know, you can read all the books and do all the things and and uh, know all the rules, and, and that's just part of it, right? So having all that information and not doing anything with it, you know, if you I read the Cal OSHA book and I understand all the rules. Cool. If you don't follow them or you don't advise people when they are doing something unsafe or you don't see something uh, and you watch somebody do something that's bananas... Like you're just as guilty as uh, the guy that or gal that's uh, potentially going to get themselves hurt and doing some weird shit. So, so you got to say something too. You know, we're we're getting. I feel like we're getting uh, twisted off in a culture where we can only talk about positive things. And and I'm not saying that the negative is is uh, it's not all negative, right? But we do have to point these things out because people don't know. So the other things that I'm talking about doing is, you know, you can get a basic first aid class. That's cool, man. Uh, but one thing they don't teach you is uh, how to deal with a, an asphalt guy when he sticks his arm in a place it shouldn't be and it tears his arm off. You know, how do you fucking put on a tourniquet? Oh, shit, do I even have one? Uh, and the answer is 99% of the time is on job sites that I see is no. And that's worrisome, you know, so... Uh, I always carry two or three tourniquets because we live, we're, we're in a dangerous business, man. Guys get ran over, his arm ripped off. Um, uh, you know, things get cut 
you know, there's a lot of moving parts on the job site, a lot of blades, a lot of, a lot of danger. Um, and the last thing I want to do is be on a job site and not be able to save myself or someone because they didn't have something to stop some bleeding. So I would carry that stuff in my pockets. Uh, people think that I was weird and, and I'm weird until, uh, they call me and they need to use what I got and I, I come help. So, uh, I don't like dealing with blood myself. So if I'm helping you and I'm not passing out, it must be pretty serious. So, uh, I'll go pass out later. The, uh, but the thing is, you know, getting a little bit of training on the side on, and you can watch some YouTube videos and thir for 30 bucks, you can buy a tourniquet, a good one. Don't buy that Chinese shit. Cause that shit will break. Um, there's a couple different styles out there and it goes right in your vest, weighs a few ounces, you know? So, so watch some YouTube videos. If you really want, you can take some classes. They're out there. They're all over the place. Um, it's not like you're going to be, uh, uh, a paramedic or anything like that. We're not, we're not doing that kind of shit, but, but we're definitely want, we want to stop bleeding, uh, and keep people breathing. So, you know, if there is an accident. Uh, so there's a there's a little bit of stuff out there too you know i think if everybody on a job site was really in tune with some safety stuff and had a little bit of training more than 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 what they have um i think we'd all be a little bit safer i think that some of the other things that are out there that people don't like to do involves the paperwork like lockout tagout like people hate that shit electricians hate that shit um because there's, I, I don't know why, I think that we're just so in tune with what we're doing that they're just doing it. They may be doing the program, but they may not be documenting it, which is not good either. It's still going to, still that's that part still needs to be done uh, just in case, you know, some shit happens. You at least need to prove you were doing the right thing. Like, and that's, and that's the thing with all this stuff is, is if it's a safety thing or a schedule thing or a, or a job site thing or a progress thing or, or whatever, you know, don't, don't take that shit personal. Don't, don't think that somebody's micromanaging you. At least I, I don't take it that way. I take it as, um, you know, that's us communicating back and forth, trading information, um, so we can get to the goal, you know, which is to get done and make some money and, uh, What's that saying I, I see, you know, repeated on LinkedIn 800 fucking thousand times a day? We finished on time and under budget. I mean, that's a given, right? We, we should all, that, that, that's the, that, that's the common, that should be the common practice. Um, an uncommon practice would be finishing early and, uh, and definitely under budget. Um, and sometimes we just, uh, scrape by, you know, by the skin of our teeth, you know, so, it happens. You have good jobs, you have bad jobs. Um, but you should always try to have a safe job, right? And th and that goes by day one, you know, understanding the environment you got and kind of creating that culture as it comes. You know, if your company has piss poor safety, you know, that you don't have to accept that bullshit and repeat that cycle, you know, like a bad relationship. Um, take it upon yourself to get some training because I've worked for some companies that were not safe. Okay. They were terrible. Um, and, and I was safe. And so the things that I did, you know, they would call me and tell me to stop it. And I was just blown away. And so, uh, I don't work there anymore. 
So, and, and they've had their share of, uh, of accidents because of the culture that they create with, you know, they're more worried about getting it done than they're being safe. So it, it, it's really trips me out and you, and you can do both, um, for sure. It's, it's just blending it into your day. Right. So once it becomes second nature, it's not that big of a deal, but as you create the culture of the job site, cause the job site has its own culture, you know, Ooh. It's not what you preach, it's what you tolerate, you know. So the idea is not to tolerate too much, you know, and, and you're going to get some pushback depending on what it is. If Now, if you want everybody to wear, uh, you know, fall protection, uh, safety harnesses and lanyards and, and yo-yos and, and clips and shit to, you know, get on a ladder, you're going you're gonna to get some pushback. You know, but there's some states that require that. You know, if you're above four feet off the ground, you got to be tied off. So, some some banana stuff out there, and that that over safe uh, sometimes causes some danger itself too. You know, and I don't think anybody pays attention to that. So, you got to have some common sense, right? We get, we've got to approach these things in a way that um, it fits the the environment and the job site, and that we understand truly what the rules are. You may see something that compl- looks completely unsafe, reckless, like imminent life ending, uh, and, and it'd be a common practice, you know, like being a connector for steel. You know, there's certain attributes and certain things that they can do as a connector um, that look sketchy as fuck, you know, but it's it's not. It's It's part of the job. You know, that's the other thing with this job, too, is it's dangerous, you know. I don't know how many people are, are dropped in the bottom of, uh, oh, my goodness, sorry. I don't know how many people are dropped in the bottom of dam somewhere, you know, curing out with the concrete, but, but that shit happens. Um, sad, very sad, and uh, yeah probably could have been avoided you know different time different place so you know with masons and and doing scaffolding inspections and checking their boards and stucco guys and scaffolding gets to be a weird thing um it's uh it can get unsafe really quick you know building staircases and you know to access buildings if you, you can get that by a third party or you know something legit that is uh grants access to all all the time uh and a way out if there's an emergency instead of trying to use some goofy lift you know that may or may not work or you can only put three dudes in it and then the battery dies and it won't go up and the other five are stuck you know you don't you don't want to deal with that kind of stuff when you you know and if your company doesn't have it in there well shame on them you know it's it's uh it's an unfortunate thing i think most cases of you know doing these retail buildings we, I don't think we necessarily need, you know, multiple staircases and, and uh, points of egress, you know, like you would on a three or four story building. So you can build that stuff in as you go. Um, sometimes guys don't necessarily want to do it the way that I'm setting it out to do it. But uh, once they get past that, their own internalized um, defiance, and we do the few things that I'm asking. It, it they see the uh, 
they see what it produces, right? So access is a hell of a lot easier. Um, um, the safety, you know, of that access is, is way better than, than what bullshit they were trying to come up with. And, and I've seen some sketchy shit come from people that, well, we do this all the time. And, and that's really not just cause you do it all the time. Doesn't mean it's right. You know, and that goes for a lot of things, safety, running a project, you know, doing paperwork, you know, there's, there's more than one way to do something. Um, but if it's not safe, you probably shouldn't do it. Right. If it, if it seems dumb and everybody's against you, uh, make sure that you're at least double checking with, with some peers that have done it because, you know, you don't want to get sucked up in, uh, a democracy ran project where, um, everybody's kind of messing with you and then you guys are doing weird stuff. So, so you, you got to apply some common sense. The, the other part of the safety thing too, is depending on how big your job site is, is, you know, you run around electric, uh, like a golf cart thing or, a, or a side by side or, or you got some like electric scooter or whatever you're doing, you know, it doesn't take, any effort or energy to put some type of first aid kit, you know, on that mobile, to, you know, that mobile thing, that, that side-by-side or that golf cart or, or, or whatever you're cruising around on. So like, it's just one less thing you got to pack, but at the same time, I still keep a few things on me, you know, just in case, um, punk for puncture wounds, a couple band-aids and a, and a tourniquet, you know, nothing, nothing major. Um, but, but could help in the event of something major happening, right? So, because time is of the essence on some of those things, depending on where they happen. Uh, and then some stuff to, you know, to, to, to pack a, a wound and some gloves, obviously, because no sense in, uh, trying to get something from somebody else, you know, through blood, blood, uh, transfer. So, you know, some things to think about, you know, safety wise, um, paying attention to, you know, looking at your plans and, uh, you know, knowing if you got, you know, how high walls are going to be and nowhere to brace them. And, and then kind of consciously having a marker in your head when you get to a height, you know, engaging your, your Mason or, or whoever's building your wall, you know, to install some bracing. Uh, typically it's with Masons, you know, they're rough, gruff old dudes and, uh, some are really great and you don't have to tell them shit and they are Johnny on the spot. And then there's some that are not so great, you know, they need to be reminded about putting bracing on. Um, and there's always a debate about that too, because, you know, you see walls along the freeway and, and they're built and fully grouted and full of rebar and they're not falling over, you know? And so they use that same logic and try to apply it to a building. Oh, excuse me. Um, and, it, and it's not the same thing, you know, the, the buildings were, are engineered in a certain way to where, you know, that, that block, yeah, maybe, um, you know, the outside shell of the building, but it may not be the entire, uh, structure, you know, they're, there's, they're maybe they're tied to the steel roof, which is tied to the columns, which is tied to more footings, you know, which keeps it from swaying and going back and forth and, um, that assembly, you know, once complete, lets that wall be quote unquote freestanding. But without those other pieces of that assembly, that wall can't stand like that by itself. And so it has to be braced off. 
And so, and the, and the law and the rules are vague on that too, because it, uh, it basically talks about, you know, in a nutshell, um, that the walls must be adequately braced. Right. And so <laughs> define adequate, uh, if the wall falls over and it is braced, it wasn't adequately braced. Right. If the wall doesn't fall over and it wasn't braced, then, you know, I guess you could look at it the same way. It was adequately braced. So, um, it's, it's kind of a catch all phrase in the, in the OSHA requirements, at least in California, cause that's where we do most of the work that the wall has to be adequately braced. Um, and when it's not adequate is when the motherfucker falls down. And so what, you know, are you willing to risk that? Are you willing to risk your, your company's reputation, somebody's life and your career on trusting some, you know, crusty old block mason that's too cheap to put on fucking bracing you know my my answer is no so don't don't fall into those traps with some of these dudes right you know concrete guys saying oh i i i set all my stakes and i don't need to put rebar caps on that shit because uh or my rebar because i'm gonna pour it tomorrow it's fine no no bro it's it's not fine so when we're installing stuff we need to make sure we're safetyed up right and there's ways to do it. You don't necessarily have to go out and buy a $2 rebar cap at, at the supply house. You can, there's, um, there's options that exist in the book uh, to protect yourself from impalement. It, but a lot of people won't read the book. You know, I think that's probably the biggest struggle I see out there right now is, is people not taking that time to, um, you know, read the, read the OSHA book, you know, it sounds daunting, but it's not that big of a deal, right? I mean, we, we're supposed to read stuff all the time. We're supposed to be, read our specs and the details and the drawings and all the notes that are in there so we can build this thing that we're trying to build. So we got to read that safety part too. You know, I haven't talked 23 episodes. I don't think I talked too much about safety, um, but tragedy happens all the time. You know, I've had I've had my share of tragedy happen on job sites. Fortunately for me, you know, I didn't create any environments. I didn't, I didn't create, I wasn't the contributing contractor to the, to the, you know, to the safety thing. Um, in fact, I was probably the one that was pointing out more shit and, and getting people to correct themselves um, than most. So once you, once you have that, safety thing kind of working for you and you've got everybody on board and you've got a culture out there to where you the boys are doing and the girls are doing their job hazard analysis which gets convoluted right because you should do one every time the situation changes or you're in a new environment you want to you want to assess you know what are our risks um and, and what are we doing and then kind of identify those and then and then have a mitigation plan in place to deal with them you know especially like excavations right you're constantly moving down the line um, but you got to have your ladders you got to have your benching and shoring and and you're sloping depending on the type of your soil but in order to do that somebody needs to know how to classify the soil and so it should be the guy that's doing that digging or installing for that company should be trained in that but if he's not um, we should be trained in that too so you should know how to classify soil off the cuff and, and just for the record, most soils are class B or C. And typically I see a lot of C's. 
And so at that point, you got to bench everything out or slope everything out, um, depending on how you get through those different layers. And sloping can really fuck your schedule up uh, if you didn't account for it and you're, uh, you got big, giant, wide trenches open if you got deep shit. And so now you got a secondary safety problem where you've got all these open trenches that, you know, the last thing you want is some concrete truck, you know, driving into a hole that they can't get out of. You know, that's that's no good for anybody. So then there's other measures you have to take to identify those trenches and get them identified so people don't run into them. You know, sticking the, the scorpion out on the back of a backhoe isn't a way to identify... And, and protect people from a trench. I mean, it, it, it's an ancillary way for sure, uh, but you should have some barricades and some some delineators and you know that that magic yellow tape that everybody ignores. Um, it doesn't seem to work. So, it, but as you build your culture, it can work. Um, so the idea is driving the culture. You know, pointing out safety things, talking about safety. Um, when you, when you're talking about, you know, building a room a certain way and you're talking about quality of finish or schedule or, uh, manpower, things like that, you know, you should always, you know, throw in a safety thing because people subconsciously will start picking that shit up. And so, um, you don't want safety to be something that you do only when all hell breaks loose because you got in trouble. <laughs> like you, you want to be way in front of that. Like the idea that we're, uh, proactive, with everything should be paramount above being reactive to anything. So, I mean, you're going to have those moments, you know, and and I see a lot of people that they're like, well, shit's going to happen anyway. So I'll just deal with it when it happens. That's a crappy way to deal with it. So, so we want to be proactive, you know, and, and, um, we, now there's times where, um, you can be too proactive, right? And so you want to make sure that you're timing that shit correctly because you don't want to talk about something too far in advance. Um, you know, advance enough to where people can plan for, you know, what's coming or what you are pointing out as being a uh, something to pay attention to safety-wise. But you don't want to do it, like you don't want to do it, talk about, you know, something at the end of the project in your first week because people are going to, and then never talking about it again because nobody's going to remember that shit. So when you're talking about it, you know, be cognizant of, you know, am I two weeks out, three weeks out, a week out, you know, let's have a conversation so you can make sure that at least people understand the situation that they're getting into. Cause it, this job is dangerous, man. Um, if it wasn't, you know, we wouldn't be wearing all this shit we've done every day. You know, I hate hard hats, but I'll wear one because like I, I like my head. So I don't want to get a hole in it from something hit me uh, or, you know, and it saved my ass a few times, you know, banging into doors and bottoms, cords of joists and shit like that. So, so a hard hat's an important piece um, as much as I despise them. So the, uh, as we as we're working through and identifying things with people and, and kind of giving them a heads up you know it's it's a good reminder for us too you know to, to have those conversations through those weekly meetings because that's a that's the greatest time when you have everybody together to start pointing out some things and, and the depth in which you go into that that's on you 
Um, but I would at least hit the big ones and just double check off to the side with, you know, specific trades on, you know, what their approach to things is. Um, because they all have to have a safety program. Um, they all have to be doing their weekly safety, you know, meetings, right? Talking about topics that are relevant to their trade. Um, and there's a, a, a plethora of safety meetings out there. Hell, there's companies that will even uh, spit you out one for each week, you know, and you really don't even have to think about it. As a GC, you know, everything that we get that's a broad, you know, spectrum can really apply to everything because we are dealing with everything. But then there's, you know, electricians, you know, if they think they only have to do electrical things, they're sadly mistaken because they're around guys welding, you know, potentially. They're they're around guys with saws and plumbers and there's adhesives and, you know, diesel engines and, you know, there's a, there's a tons of things, you know. There's a certain way to fuel equipment. There's a certain way to store cylinders um, with refrigeration guys or, or, or welding guys. So, so take it upon yourself. You know, if you haven't been through a, 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 a safety class, um, you know, most companies should be providing that too. Raise your hand. You know, if you don't know something and you've been through that class because you're too busy fucking around because that's what construction guys do, you better raise your hand and say something because you're going to be on the hook if some shit happens and you're in a leadership position and you're holding a, a 30-hour OSHA, right? Uh, there's a there's a level of expectation that you are towing the line um, and, and making sure that you're riding riding over the top of everybody, just making sure that they're all being safe. That is on you. Uh, if you think it's not, do some sketchy shit, have a tragedy happen, and see what happens. Um, it's not good, I can tell you that, uh, for, for a whole bunch of different reasons. Uh, not only will you... You know, will somebody, you know, get hurt or, you know, worse, die, uh, you're going to have to live with that. So if you're okay with living with that, you know, and continuing to do this job, you know, okay. Um, But then you're going to have a reputation too. And then your company's going to pay for it. Uh, In those hidden things that you don't see, there's the rating system out there that classifies, you know, how safe companies are based on the claims they have and, and the amount of work they do and the employees they have. So you don't want to be that. You don't want to add or take away from the population um, because you're being lazy shit. So pay attention and, and blend that safety piece into your day. It's I don't think it's too difficult to do. I think it's, it's uh, I don't even think it's optional. I think it just has to be done. I see too often that, you know, a lot of people don't even document, you know, interactions and which is kind of sad too. I think that if you're you're mentioning something to somebody, you don't have to make a big deal about it, but you should make a note somewhere, right? You know, maybe in your daily log, and um, and you could put, you know, uh, told uh, so and so to put his hard hat on, you know, and then you know if you tell so and so, you know, fourteen times put their hard hat on, that's that's uh, I want to say twelve times too many. So you got to step back and, and you got to realize at some point you're going to have to level up a little bit. So maybe that, that second interaction becomes a email to that person, right? If they don't have email, cause some, some people like to pull that shit, then you just email their boss, you know, 
I met with so-and-so and they weren't wearing their hard hat. This is the third time I've talked to them. I'm bringing you into the loop now because it's now becoming a, he's a repeating, he's a repeat offender. <laughs> and so, you know, hopefully that thing dies. Uh, once you send it off to somebody at their company in their management structure that can address it, you know, that's the hope, right? You don't want to talk about it over and over and over again. But then sometimes you don't get that back. You know, that company may not address that situation. They may just say, hey, just do it so this guy shuts up. Like, sometimes that's what happens. And so at that point, if it happens again, what I like to do is um, have a printout, you know, eight and a half by 11, you know, sheet of paper and, and kind of have it set up in some way that it's, you know, identifies the job and the project and it may have our you know our logo on the top of it which ours does and i put the person's name and the date and then you know whatever the thing is uh, there's a spot to write you know what are they doing that isn't cool and um there's a section underneath that of you know us interacting you know talking about you know why it's bad and then there's a place for both of us to sign and date it you know it's kind of like a traffic ticket um some guys won't sign it. You know, nobody nobody wants to be safe. The people that don't want to be safe are the first persons that don't want to sign anything either. And then some, but, it's, but on rare occasions, I'll have people say, I had no idea, even though you told me five fucking times. And so I see something change in, in people when you pull out a piece of paper, it has something written on it, and then you go over and then you ask them to sign it. You asking them to sign their name to something, uh, it definitely levels up real quick um, without being confrontational. Because and, and here's the thing. When you're having this third interaction about a safety thing, it doesn't have to be angry. It doesn't have to be mad. Like You don't have to like go bananas, okay? <laughs> you don't have to do that. Just simply, you know, calmly, you know, just find them, ask them to come down if they're up high and or over and pull them off to the side. You know, don't do it in front of everybody. Don't be screaming at them, you know, that they suck and, you know, whatever. Don't do that. Bring them off to the side. Have a conversation with them. Show them the paper. Be straight up about it. Um, look them in the eye when you talk to them. Don't be a bitch. And, uh, you know, typically it goes fine. Uh, I think I've only had one time where a guy took a swing at me and that didn't end well for, for, for him. So the, um, I'm not saying that's going to, not going to happen. Um, but the likelihood of it happening is, is, uh, is pretty low. Uh, a lot of beta males out there. So I wouldn't worry too much about, you know, getting your face punched in if you're, you're trying to save somebody. And then, and then there's one other thing that is kind of off the books that uh, I do that gets probably more results than, than anything else it, with some of these habitual don't give a shit guys. And it takes a little bit of uh, practice to get this one done. But what I'll do is um, I'll go find him and I'll, and I'll ask him uh, in some way I'll figure out, you know, we'll talk about family, right? And if they have a girlfriend or a wife or whatever and, and then I'll ask him, like, hey, um, have you talked to him? And if I can get them to call that significant other, 
I introduce, you know, I ask them to put on speakerphone and um, so you'd be amazed at like how many people will do this too. It fucking trips me out. So, so like one time I had this guy on scaffolding and he was a fucking renegade man and running around, you know, bananas. And finally I had had enough because it was just, it was, it was not good. And so I got him to come down. Of course he didn't use a fucking ladder. He's climbing down the scaffolding like a, a maniac and he gets down and I say, hey, you know, we, we finally talk enough to where, you know, he calls his girlfriend and who they were going to have a baby together and they were going to get married. And so I asked him to put it on speakerphone and, and, and he did. <laughs> and she answers the phone and I tell her who I am. And she's like, oh my God, did he fall off the scaffolding? <laughs> and I started laughing. I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm calling to tell you that I brought him down right now because I'm, I was worried about the same thing. And, and so when she said that, it that caught him more than me because she knew he was unsafe when he left for the morning, you know, because of whatever. I have no idea how she knew that, but she did. And um, basically I just say that, you know, I, I brought him down. I stopped him for a minute so he could collect himself. And, and he's going to apologize to you for being unsafe and risking his life today for for his paycheck and then I turn it over to them and 99.9% of the time those guys um, they apologize it really hits them hard and then they get the ass they get an ass chewing <laughs> they get a huge ass chewing because nobody wants to see anybody get hurt you know and and if I if I can exploit that just a little bit you know with uh, with somebody that you know is counting on you because everybody's counting on us, right, to go to work and come home. Um, may not seem like that, but, you know, but they are. But if I can exploit that, as dirty as it may be or, or not, I'm going to. Because, you know, maybe that one interaction, that maybe that shit sticks with him forever. And then he doesn't do that anymore. Because I can tell you what, after that conversation, he didn't do that bullshit on my job site. He may have done it when he left my job site, but he didn't do it when I when, when he was there. Um, and... He also didn't do it when I wasn't there. So that so that was a good thing, too, because sometimes that happens, too, is uh, everybody will be safe if somebody's there, you know, that's watching and, and picking. But if you got, a, like, a, a secondary guy and he's just a fuck-around dude and everybody thinks of him, thinks of him or her in that way and they don't listen, like, they're going to go back to whatever, you know, as soon as you leave. But, but in some of these cases, when you do something a little... Um, bold or or uh, outside the the norm, it uh, it really gets people's attention and, and it'll stick with them. Doesn't matter who the fuck's there. So same with what I try to do with culture too. You know, there's two things that I drive immensely uh, w with relentlessness is that safety piece integrated with that uh, schedule that that saw I'm talking about all the time. So much that sometimes people just get sick of it. You know. But over time, um, I talk about it less as the job progresses. But when I meet these guys on a, on a new job, and I haven't seen them in four or five years or three years or however many years, um, they instantly can snap their fingers and they go, fuck, I remember that guy. Okay, everybody's got their hard hat. You got to do this. They immediately go back into what they knew they had to do with me. Which scares the shit out of me for them on other projects because it just shows me what other people are not doing, and uh, and that's not okay. I think um, 
I think across the board we should we should be pushing the same things. Um, I I I tend to be fighting. Um, I don't know, by proxy, you know, when when with other GCs, uh, sometimes when guys show up, you know, well, I didn't have to do this for these five contractors that I won't name. Um, okay, well, that's you can go back and work for them, or you can stay here and be safe. Like you, that's a, that's another comment that I'll use too. Is uh, if you want to continue to work here, you have to wear your hard hat. And so that's not me kicking them out. That's them making a choice. Right, so see the idea is that we we uh, throw some free will out there, you know, like they know they have to wear their hard hat. Hard hat's an easy one to bitch about, um, but they know they have to wear it, right? And so rather than me, you know, go and and repeat what's been done, you know, a million and a half times before, put your hard hat on and throw it off the job site. Like, okay, all right, I'll put it on, you know, so. Uh, but when you change it and you put it on them, you know, it's just me telling them to put their hard hat on and they have to comply. But when I give them a choice, right, it, to, to fuck, your brain does something different, you know. So so I, I like to use the, if you want to continue to work here, you have to insert whatever safety thing they should be doing. Uh, electricians, if you want to continue to work here, you need to do the lockout takeout program like we're supposed to be doing. A lot of guys go, fuck. All right, bro. I'm on it. And so so we have to be careful. You know, we do live in a world where words, words can do bad things. And we're trying to, like, take away words and move or whatever with all that bullshit. But, but like, restructuring sentences, um, dealing with people in a way that, um, you know, is for their best interest without being like a, a fucking nanny state, you know, on a job site, you know, that's, that's the important thing. But there, that does exist to some degree because job sites, because they are inherently dangerous, there are some things that are set in place that are absolutely have to be adhered to because historically it's been proven that the, by doing those things will keep you from getting fucking kill, killed, right? So I'm all good with that. It's the added things that don't make any sense to me that, that cause me a little bit of grief and heartburn. Um, I totally need somebody to understand that I don't think you need a chin strap on a hard hat. And if you feel like you do and there's something out there that I'm missing with it, you know, because I can wear a hard hat all fucking day and it not fly off my head. Okay? <laughs> I don't know... I don't know what's going on with hard hats right now, but I see a, a shitload of people with chin straps. And I start thinking about, you know, the 1980s and, and like, if we're going to put a chin strap on, like, we're jumping something. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I need a bike. Um, so I need to understand that too. And, and I do talk shit about it. You know, if we're, if we're going down that road and we're that in that violent of a, of a business where we, we've got to make sure our hard hat doesn't fly off. Fuck. I don't want no, but no, no part of that. You know, like, uh, that doesn't make any sense, but my guess is it doesn't have shit to do with any of that. And it's just some newly added feature that some crackpot fucking attorney and insurance company came up with that holds stock in, uh, you know, whatever company's making hard hats with chin straps. So 
I mean, if if I got a hard hat with a chin, if I got a if I got a helmet with a chin strap, better have some night vision goggles on it. So it's about how I feel about that. Um, or a GoPro, I guess. I guess that could work. Um, but I'm not like gonna need some kind of mount on there for it. Um, but I think that as the culture, you know, you create people are going to, they're not going to necessarily listen to you, but they're going to see what you're doing. So if you're not wearing your hard hat, you're not wearing your vest and you're not flipping some safety glasses on, if you're getting, you know, around the dudes, uh, or chicks, uh, you know, cutting, uh, by the way, there's only two genders. I don't know if you guys are picking that up. Um, but if you guys are out there doing, uh, you know, putting safety glasses on when people are cutting things and, you know, there's the ability, uh, to get something in your eye. You, people are going to see that, right? You know, if you got boots on, um, you, like people are going to you know, like wear boots. You're like you don't want to come work in shorts and flip flops. I don't even know if we can do that anymore in California, right? So, um, I did a significant amount of work wearing Crocs one time, but it was all street work, and I really didn't get out of my truck. And and if I did, uh, uh, I had boots on. So, for I want to say most of the time. So. <laughs> the uh the thing about you know is trying to be a good example right we want to be a good example we want to do our paperwork we want to help conduct our meetings we want to make sure that we're consistent in our approach to how we're dealing with it we want to treat everybody the same right you don't want to let some asshole who you're afraid of you know slide on not wearing his hard hat you know because you know there's there's always one dumb guy and one asshole on every job site and try not to be like, we need to try to not be that guy two and one. So you got to deal with those, those things. So, um, but as you, as you are consistent with this across the board, you'll find that you start building a team of safety people with you. Um, you know, I, I, I could pay attention enough to see that uh, the job would, would fundamentally change as we started doing that. You know, if I stepped in the building, I would hear guys yelling, you know, that I was there and, you know, I'd see hard hats going on. And, or if I would catch somebody and, you know, um, and they didn't hear that or they weren't paying attention, I would always hear the excuse like they couldn't fit their head into this, you know, place. And so they had to take their hard hat off. And 99.99% of the time, that was a complete, it's just bullshit, right? And so, um, it, it's just an excuse, right? So, so, but I've, but I've also seen over the course of the job where I, you know, you get in in the culture, you know, you're battling the demons from the other sites, the, the unsafe shit, you know, you, you're weeding it out and, and guys' mindsets changing when they get to your job site, um, you can start seeing that you don't have to talk about it as much anymore because everybody's doing it. And then you have, I, I noticed that I, instead of me advocating for safety, uh, I have 75 other people doing the, you know, preaching the same gospel. And so I don't have to do it as much anymore because I have an army of people doing that for me. And I think that's an important thing that we all miss, um, because we we're not pushing it consistently. So while we get back from, you know, the July holiday and hopefully nobody lost any fingers and nobody burned anything down. 
and everybody was cool and nobody got any DUIs or, or any weird shit like that. Um, hopefully we can we'll start that consistency, you know, if we, if we haven't had it, start it today, right? Like that's one of the sayings that's out there, you know, when's the best time to start something good? Uh, the answer is right now. So forget about all the other shit you didn't do, right? But start today, you know, um, start right now. You know, you, if you have your meetings on, on a, on a Wednesday and we're all going back to work on Tuesday or whatever day we go back to work, whatever holiday it is, um, start it right then. You know, if, if, uh, your meetings on Wednesday, right? I guess I got attack. meetings on Wednesday. You can have a conversation about safety on Tuesday, right? You can point some things out to like fire that warning shot. You know, that's, uh, we're get, getting ready to fire that thing up and, the, don't turn it into a fad, you know, don't, don't go until you run out of gas in three weeks and then just go back to what you're doing. Like that shit's got to be consistent. You got to carry that forever. You should always be fighting and struggling. Unfor- I, I don't want you to fight and struggle, but you're going to be fighting and struggling. Um, other cultures on other job sites, other people's idea of what's safe and what's not safe. You know, if, and if you're using the guide of, you know, uh, the OSHA manual, uh, your company policy, uh, whatever lawyers and attorneys and, and insurance people you have have kind of dedicated uh, a few very specific things to your business. You know, roofers have a higher risk than than a, a cabinet installer. And so you're, you're going to have to deal with those things a little bit differently, right? Especially if you're a sub. Um, and, and as a GC, you got to be cognizant of that stuff too, because, you know, if they're high, we don't want them to fall. You know, if they're using electricity, we don't want to let them get electrocuted, you know? So there's, there's some really automatic things that kind of go into play that in your brain as you're, uh, walking, you know, you should be able to like pick out pretty quick, you know, power cords, right? Do they have ground? They're all supposed to be grounded. So, um, once you see this shit and you start looking at it, it's really hard to unsee it, just like anything else. Um, it, it's similar to, you know, if you if you buy a car, right? If you buy a, a, an F1, a white F-150, guess what? You're going to see a kajillion white F-150s. Um, because once you see it, you can't unsee it. And you're going to see them forever. And so, same with safety. You know, if you identify a few things, you know, you're going to start seeing that all the time. Um, and if you, the more you talk about it, the more you get them eliminated, the more you're going to see other things, right? And you, you're never going to have a completely perfectly safe job site, but you can get pretty damn close. Um, and you can't do it by yourself. So that's why you've got to rally these troops and have these meetings and, and talk about, um, safety things and inspections and, and not just keep it to the meeting room, right? Don't totally talk about safety in the office. You should be talking about it in and out it should be there should be a comment about safety every day in your daily log uh, in some way or another because guess what fuckers we all know there's shit going on out there that that is unsafe um but it has to be dealt with and so if you're not dealing with it that's not good you know so so have a spine and, and deal with some of that stuff it's what's the worst thing you that happens somebody doesn't die um like the idea is everybody goes home right so so you got to have those conversations. You got to keep the approach up. 
uh, and you have to be consistent. You know, that's the, that's the hard part about this business is being consistent. Um, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. I struggle with this, uh, dropping this podcast. I am very inconsistent, but this is not my job. You know, if this was my job, I'd be dropping one of these things every fucking day, uh, like clockwork, you know, they'd be going out at the same time every day. So, but it's not, this is my attempt to try to help people. So the other thing that, that I guess the last thing I, I'm going to talk about today that deals with safety is, um, scheduling, you know, those, the way you create and craft your schedule, I, cause I love, I love schedules The but the way you craft your schedule, right. Can, you can also build some safety things in there, right? Um, if you have traffic control, you know, set set some time up for that don't don't try to do work and set traffic control up at the same time right that uh that's dangerous so give give time for traffic control get that thing established get it set up um if you're out of time you know sucks to be you but but take that day take that two days make sure you have a plan make sure somebody outside of of the guy designing it and and the job site you uh, has looked at that plan just to point out some things, you know, if you're doing street work and you need a traffic control plan that should have went to the city and got their approval before you start implementing it. Uh, and then you're going to have an inspector come check it, especially if you're doing highway work. Uh, it's a pretty intense process. So because everybody knows how safe it is, I, I see every week on Twitter feed or Instagram, you know, Caltrans honoring somebody who died in the line of work because it got ran the fuck over by somebody that wasn't paying attention. And I know that the, with the way Caltrans is that they had all the material up that they were supposed to have to identify the work zone and to slow down and whatever. And, and people just say, fuck it and do whatever they want. So, you know, I've been almost ran over a few times. It, it sucks. Um, so, you know, take that, take that time, right? Put that on your schedule. If you have a crane pick, you know, make sure that you're meeting in advance to get a pick plan put together, right? And you, you're understanding where the crane's going to set up and you do a job walk with the crane operator and the, or, and the company doing it and your subcontractor who's hiring that crane because chances are if you're GC, you're not hiring a crane. You're just not. We're not. That's not our jam. So you want to make sure that you're involved in that process too. And, and there's certain things that have to be done in, in certain States, you know, we need to hold records of who, who was there. Um, and then we need to provide, there's some things we have to provide good, flat, clean, solid work surface for them to drop that, you know, set that crane up on and access to, you know, the material for them to, you know, grab and, and put wherever they got to put it. And that goes for, for lifting big air conditioning units and refrigeration units. And in some cases, you know, steel, right. You know, some on these low, lower roofs of these, you know, retail buildings, not necessarily a big deal. Um, but I've been on some projects where we've set a crane and, uh, and Christmas treat in, you know, a significant amount of steel and done pretty good. So the, the approach on how people, you know, want to get things done, I'll leave it up to them as so long as, uh, it's safe and, and it's going to meet, you know, my schedule and, and I've, and I've built, you know, 150,000, 190,000 square foot retail buildings, um, with guys setting joists with gradles and I've done it with, uh, guys using cranes. And in the past, 
we can't do it so much anymore. And I, I'm, it's probably another insurance, you know, attorney thing. Uh, we used to put units on the roofs with helicopters. I mean, you can still do that in some in some places, and typically I see that driven by client. So I like using a helicopter to put air, AC units on the roof, RTUs. And it's fast, you know, and uh, you, set, you basically set one every, like, two minutes as opposed to, you know, two days with a crane. So there's some advantages to doing it, but the people that are doing it have to have their shit together, and you have to be cognizant enough to understand the things that are needed so you can make sure that you know they have their shit together because you're going to be just as responsible too. And and if, you do, if you're doing a crane pick... Um, you have to block off areas and then you you definitely don't want people underneath that crane, you know, working. So you're going to have to modify your schedule to, to kind of like move people out of the way, but still keep them productive. Right. And so I don't think you need to entirely shut a building down, but I think people need to be aware of the fact of, of what's happening and they definitely can't be underneath that shit. That is not safe. So if, if you see somebody doing it, if you're, if you're, one of two superintendents on a job and you're teamed up with somebody and and it, it's okay to go spot check it's definitely okay you know you don't have to be a rat or telltale or anything like that but uh you, you definitely should uh police each other right when it comes to some safety stuff um because sometimes people get the fog man and they, they uh snow blind whatever you want to call it and they're just trying to get the thing done and they're not necessarily seeing the other things or, or you know, the actions that, that, that they're, they're doing, which could create some unsafe stuff. So, um, they may forget one person on an email too. So two is one, one is none kind of thing. Right. So send out an email to everybody and then I'm going to have a meeting with everybody. Right. So then I, if I forgot somebody in that email, I know I'm going to grab them in that meeting because it's everybody on site that's in my face. And then I'm going to be paying attention to hopefully I didn't schedule somebody new to show up working in an area that, you know, right underneath a crane pick I've got scheduled for the same day. Not going to do that. So you guys got to pay attention. Uh, super important. Um, Cause the last thing you want to do is, is forget about that one guy and, and then God forbid fucking crane tip over. I've only seen one crane tip. I think. I think only one. And uh, it didn't go too far. It hit the building. Uh, it was jacked up off the ground, you know, sideways, wrecked the asphalt. And it didn't go all the way over. They brought another crane out and, and picked it up. But they were, it was a little too heavy to swing out um, as far as they were swinging. And it was uh, a building that was being on a job site that I was doing the site work on. So but I wasn't doing the building, um, thankfully. The... Uh, but yeah, I put a hole in the roof. <laughs> put a hole in the roof. So, and I don't know uh, if anybody got in trouble for that one. I'm I'm sure somebody got a talking to. And then, you know, dealing with cylinders. You know, the big the big things on job sites are trenches, traffic. You know, how are we dealing with the public? You know, do we need to build tunnels? You know, to access buildings that are still alive. Um. Like a talking to is one thing. It's a hell of a lot better than than uh, you know the police coming to your you know your house, telling your wife you died you know because you did some dumb shit. So public is uh, it's a little bit harder to approach because the public 
I don't know how I say this. They're in large groups. They become dumber, right? So if you don't want them to go somewhere and you don't really block it off and identify it as being an area that is unauthorized uh, to them or limit their uh, access to it, they're going to figure out a way to get in there. So if you put up orange barricades or blue barricades or white barricades or whatever you got and uh, they're not concrete, you're going to have some trouble. Um, if you have the ability to fill them up with water, you better do so because the first fucking Karen that wants to park in that parking lot that you are taking over grinding, um, she's going to get her fat ass out and, and try to move that barricade so she can get over there and park because she don't want to be by anybody else because her she's got her fancy car or, or her you know minivan of 50 kids. So you got to make sure that you're when you're when you're dealing with the public you kind of got to make it dummy proof and uh you kind of got to go over the top with uh with what you do because people are inherently rebellious <laughs> so me included um and just like caution tape you know so you kind of got to overdo it a little bit um i don't think our budgets really cover enough you know for safety um, but I think that they do at the same time. I just don't think that they get utilized because it's just something else that somebody doesn't want to deal with. And we kind of half-ass it. Like we're on a project right now where we're about to deal with a big giant fucking distribution center and we got to restripe the parking lot as part of our jam. And, um, there's a thousand people work there and this parking lot holds, you know, probably 200 people more than that. And so we don't have a really a lot of room to work. And so now we have to go kind of over the top with how we're sectioning this place off to be able to get the access to get the old shit off the ground and then put new stripes down. And so it's going to be a little bit challenging, you know, over the next week or two um, to try to tackle that. And so sometimes, man, I'm yawning. Sometimes, um, you know, speed. And being efficient, you know, can help alleviate some of that heartburn that people have. If you can, if you can, you know, effectively tackle something in three days as opposed to, you know, three weeks, um, you get a little bit more buy-in from people if you're presenting it out there, you know, in a public forum to where they can um, read it. You know, if, you, if you're in a, a closed environment and you can put postings up, you know, by all means, please do that. Uh, especially if you can put a map and like, you know, this is phase one, this is phase two. And, and then people can kind of, you know, individually, I think people are intelligent enough to, to, uh, understand what you're, what you're doing. But I think as they get in groups with that herd mentality, they just start doing weird shit. So if you can post a map and you can post like a little phase thing to where people see, you know, on day one, we're going to do this. And they see that, they're going to be like, oh, okay. And then when they see you done with phase one and, and they know what that looks like, you know, we'll remove barricades and relocate them to this location, then they're going to be on board with you, you know, by the time you get to the second phase and they'll be like, okay, well, now we can go here. So that's cool. And then we'll stay out of his way so we can do that. I, I, typically, I'll see that stuff. Um, but if you don't put any signage into it, no effort, you know, you got to put a lot, like, there's effort. You know, if you don't do it, you're going to pay for it. So, what's that saying? Uh, can't be disappointed about the results you didn't achieve from the work you didn't do. <laughs> uh, that shit goes with safety all the time, for sure. So, I think that, um, 
a little bit of extra effort pays off. I think that, you know, involving as many people as possible in that safety uh, conversation, I think benefits everybody across the board. I think ultimately we benefit the most because if we can put, you know, 70 people to work being safety ambassadors, right, to a degree, uh, the less I have to worry about it. You know, it's the less confrontation I have, the less uh, people I have to, you know, pull off to the side and have a conversation with a piece of paper in my hand that basically is fucking worthless, but they don't really know that. I mean, it can be used against them, you know, later. You know, if something bad happens, I'm going to cover my ass with it for sure. Um, that I did the right thing. Like, and that's the thing that I think we forget about is when we half-ass our daily log or our schedule, we're not giving ourselves credit for the hard work we're doing. You know, you may be banging your head and, and, and blowing your phone all day long, the battery out of it, and, and burning down email. Um, but if you're not putting your schedule out, you're not putting it in a daily log. Like, nobody fucking knows what's going on that's not directly in contact with you about that shit on a day-to-day basis. And so those things that we do that summarize, you know, the way we are scheduling a job and managing a job if we can relay that information and basically, you know, show our work, um, you get credit for the hard work you're doing. You know, I, I, I know that the way I read the daily report, I can understand in about 10 minutes, 10 minutes about what's going on on that job site just by reading through it. If it's done early enough in the day, you know, that's the idea too, is that it's, we're not waiting until the end of the day to, to start from the beginning because we, none of us can remember all that shit. If you're on an active job and you're banging it, out every day there's no way come five o'clock at night when you sit down when the chaos is kind of slowed down that you're going to remember what happened at 9 35 when the plumber fucking put the shit in the wrong spot you know because you got 75 other things that happened after that we're only going to remember the last you know couple hours and so it's important to to take notes and and document that shit through the day um so you can get credit for that hard work, you know, otherwise it doesn't look like you're doing shit. <laughs> you know, it's, it's what we perceive. So, so, so do that daily, you know, work that thing all day long, right? Just like your safety, if you have a safety thing, put it in, you know, write down, write a note about it. If you have, if you work for a company that has handwritten daily logs, if and I would, I used to, right? And so I had a double-sided form. It was basically our daily, we mailed them in at the end of the week. Um, that shit was my scratch pad, man. Like they got everything, you know, my takeoff for this, my estimate for that. Um, I would drop pictures on it, you know, like, you know, I would put RFIs on there. I would put safety shit on there, who I talked to, what I talked to. Like, I'll put it all on there because at the end of the day, why not? Like we all know there's problems. It's just how are you dealing with them or not? And so that, that, and that's why we're there. We're, we're, we're problem solvers. We're supposed to be dealing with that shit. So, so the, you know, document the safety, document the daily tasks and the goods and the bads, right? Get credit for the good and get credit for the dealing with the bad, right? Cause that, that's, that's fuck, it's takes energy, man. Um, and then make sure that you're, you're communicating that shit out, you know, don't, don't hold on to it. Um, it's one thing to report it to the office. It's another thing to not tell the subcontractors, you know, you can't bitch about sub in a daily log and then not want to go and address it on a job site, like be grown up about it and, and deal with it. Okay. And now if you have questions, right. 
you know, you should reach out to people. Um, if you need a book, chances are that shit's on the internet. You know, there's the Kalosha website's fucking free. If you got a smartphone, you know, you can look up anything. So to say, you don't know, like, what do they say about laws? Like ignorance of the law is no excuse. So, you know, it, it, the info is out there, but you have to take it upon yourself to go do it. Just like you should take it upon yourself to go to a safety class, right? You know, to augment what you've already been taught. Um, maybe take an advanced CPR class or a, 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 a traumatic casualty event class or maybe take some, uh, maybe you're in a weird fucking place where, well, I guess everybody's weird now. But maybe you got to take a, 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 a fucking active shooter because people are going bananas at work now. And, and they have been. I don't know. You know, it depends on how old people are. But there used to be a, it's a fucking joke. It really wasn't. But like going postal, you know, postal workers were killing each other because they were fucking stressed out. Uh, it's, it's, it's laughable now, but it didn't used to be. You know, people didn't want to go to the post office because they were worried they were going to get fucking murdered. You know, just trying to mail a stamp, stamped envelope. So uh, maybe that's a class you take. Um Maybe you augment your your guys to where, uh, or yourself to where you learn how to operate a piece of equipment you never operated. I know that that every time I could jump into a class, uh, I would do it. You know, I did a project where we dealt with the Alaska Continental Pipeline and Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad, and I was able to jump in on some of those classes to get some of that training to where I could get access to things I normally couldn't have got access to um, working for a GC. And so those things were really beneficial because I've been using that shit forever. I, I jumped into a, a, a an shock class. Um, I think that the more, the more, you know, the, the more power you have to make decisions for yourself, um, that affect your job site in a positive way. I don't think that there's anybody out there that's going to bitch and complain about somebody, uh, I keep saying, uh, like a fucking idiot. The, uh, <laughs> I don't think there's anybody out there that's going to complain about somebody wanting to get a little bit better about what they're doing. Right. So the, there are people that go out of their way to be professional students. And I think that's bullshit too, because typically I see those professional students who are going to constant training classes lack the ability to apply it now that's not in all cases but if they're you if you're delegating somebody to go and, and get all this information to bring it back and and be like mama bird and you know regurgitate it out to all the baby birds then then that's good you, you know i think that's a positive thing but i i don't see that too often you know we there's sometimes we send people to to things to you know, we'll send two guys to something and the intent is that they are, you know, paying attention and, and taking copious notes and, and then they can come back and spread the good word, right? Um, but but most often that doesn't happen. Uh, we, just, we just move on and two guys got a, a little bit more education and, and typically they're not the guys that are using that in a practical environment. And so it kind of it kind of becomes a waste. And so 
I think that we still, you know, as an individual on a job site, you still have that accountability, right? And that personal growth, you know, for yourself that's outside of, of all this stuff. And I, and I'm not saying that, you know, anybody needs to be a, an EMT or anything like that. Cause that, that's not my, I'm not doing that. And I'm not playing security guard or cop, you know, people are stealing or, or whatever. That's not my job either. Um, it, it, we hire people, you know, if we need security, we hire somebody, you know, I'm not running around sleepless nights, you know, guarding my building at night. That's, that's too much. Um, it's, it's 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 not worth the brain damage so you gotta you gotta build that group of people you know safe in in multiple ways and and that's another thing too you know dealing with the public you know i i'm only talking about dealing with people that are i want to say relatively good you know there's going to be the the mischievous devious and the and the thieves that are out there that are going to try to to do bad stuff and so that's another reason to walk your job site you know in the morning and the evening to assess you know access is it safe you know are we leaving a big trench open with a bunch of exposed rebar and kids can sneak in and ride their bikes and you know kill themselves you don't want that so so eliminating as much risk as possible you know, without going insane, uh, that should be done, you know, kind of on a day-to-day basis. You want to do an assessment, you know, in the morning when you get there to see what happened, you know, if anything happened the night before, if you don't have security. Uh, and even if you do, because they can't see it all, you know, I've had, you know, some dumb security guys. So you, you want to make sure that you're, you're walking that work. Um, you don't want to make plans and, and have something, you know, get ready to go and then realize that all the copper got stolen out of all the AC units, you know, the night before you got your crane pick, cause you better shut that crane pick down. Cause it's a hell of a lot easier to build units on the ground than it is to like build them all on the roof and, you know, potentially catch your roof on fire when you're, when you're brazing and soldering things back together. So just different things and different approaches. And I may complete, be completely off base. You may want to get them off the ground and get them out of the hands of the crackheads and then be able to tackle them up there. But then, no, you have to add some some ancillary safety measures in place in order to not torch the roof off. You know, if you are putting in new copper or electronics or whatever, they damaged, you know. So you kind of got to play, play, play it case by case because um, as the conditions change, so do your tactics, right? Like uh, Art of War kind of shit. So... You know, if you got inclement weather, you know, in California with it being hot, you got to deal with the heat illness stuff. I touched base on it a podcast or two ago. You got to pay attention to these people. Um, You want to make sure that you have a a brief enough conversation to understand if somebody's incoherent and and dehydrated or delusional or or whatever word you want to call it. but you don't want to get sucked into a fishing story for three and a half fucking hours because that's not that's taken away from from some other shit. And then you want to make sure you're, you know, a lot of people don't like to sign into job sites, but it seems to be becoming more and more of a common practice, at least in our environment. And what people don't understand is having those people sign in kind of gives you an idea, sign in and sign out, right? Uh, and pushing that just as much as you do a hard hat. But what people don't understand is like on some big jobs, if you have some crazy shit clock off, 
then at least you have an assessment on who's there and who's not by instantly flipping some some pages in a binder real quick if you're sitting in an office. And if you need to evacuate, um, I've been on some job sites where we had to evacuate. And uh, it was not good. <laughs> it was not good at all. I can laugh about it now, but it wasn't good at the time. Uh, we were in a, in a town in Northern California, and it was raining and... and it was going bananas and we could see uh the dam from where we were and we paid attention to the radio um because there's some other things that i haven't touched on i i guess i could go down that road um we were paying attention to the radio and the news and the weather um and then we realized that uh they were releasing some water and there was a little bit of a failure and it wasn't too detrimental of a failure in the beginning. Uh, it looked pretty solvable, uh, you know, with some some hot concrete. And we offered. I offered. I went right to town, you know, that day and said, hey, can we not shut that off for, you know, six hours? And I get a pump, and I just pump that full of some hot-ass concrete, some high early. And they didn't, you know, of course, there's... It wasn't the town's issue. It was a state thing, and we all know how slow the state moves. And um, some warnings went out, you know, to everybody kind of be on alert through town. And we were staying in town, like, uh, you know, I was a traveling super at the time, dragging my, you know, RV around with my truck, you know. So I was at an RV park, but it was, and I was in a cool place down by the river. And the another superintendent was uh, staying at a hotel up out of the way. And, um, I don't know, I guess through listening to the radio and the other things that I was tracking, which I'll go through in a minute, uh, I figured out it was time for me to go. And so I went into the job trailer. I said, look, dude, uh, the, the guy I was working with, I said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go to the RV park. I'm hooking up. I'm dragging my shit out of here. I'm out. And we need to start getting this ready to, uh, to you know take on some damage and he kind of chuckled at me a little bit and he's like okay yeah whatever man and uh i went to the rv park and started packing up my shit and never in my life because uh out west it's pretty dry right you know it's not like back east where there's flash flooding and stuff i mean don't get me wrong i've been in some flash floods in nevada but arizona the uh I hadn't seen water rise this fast. And when I walked into my trailer to start prepping it to roll the slides in and get the fuck out of there, uh, when I came out, the water was shin deep. And I was about 10 feet above the river when it started. So that's how high that river had come up. And I got my trailer hooked up, got the hitch on, got her locked down, slide in, rolled the step up. I lost some, I lost my sewer hose. I couldn't find it, you know, the, the end of it. So I dumped what I could and, and rolled up the hose, threw it in the bed of the truck. And as I'm driving out at that point, I had water up to my knee and, uh, it was up to the step on my, on my pickup. So I was getting pretty high, you know, water wise and I drug out of there. So, and then I didn't go back. Uh, for, I don't know, a good month. And then the dam blew out and then all hell broke loose to, you know, two days later, the dam blew out. And 
we had offered up our site because we were higher, uh, just, you know, by weight grades and elevations and things like that. Uh, we offered it up. So that parking lot started getting filled with, uh, people that were in, in a lower depressed area where they were going to get, you know, the, that water coming up quick, you know, but we had, a we formulated a plan pretty quick. You know, once I saw that water, we immediately went into, uh, a contingency mode like schedule didn't matter right then, uh, because it wasn't worth doing work on a job site, potentially when a dam could fucking explode and like wipe us all out. So kind of threw out a call to everybody that, um, we're, we're pausing for the cause for a minute. We're going to let this thing do what it's going to do. And then we'll come back and assess what's up when it's done. Uh, we sandbagged, we, we did a bunch of stuff that ultimately, thank goodness we didn't have to do. Um, but we used our, that property and that building as kind of a safe haven. Cause I, I knew, um, at least, you know, if, if that damn did blow out, uh, the build, I don't think the building would go away. Uh, but you never know, like the power of water, you know, pushing, throwing houses and shit, you know, anything could happen. So the, the whole goal was to get everybody out of there. So we, um, we, we jammed, you know, for a few days and let it roll. Ultimately that, that bypass blew out and had to be rebuilt by somebody else for, you know, $500 billion or whatever it cost. Some atrocious amount. Um, and I drove by, you know, a few months ago and it, it's all done and everything, you know, pretty much back to normal. Uh, didn't wipe too much out, you know, just, uh, everything along the river, but that was a, a, a safety thing that kind of jumped out at us that we had no idea at the beginning of the job that that would have ever been a fucking thing. Um, same with, you know, fires happening or, uh, you know, an earthquake, we're always on, you know, we're always paying attention to that ship to a degree, but, but not really. We're pretty comfortable, you know, with dealing with the shakes and the rumbles because they happen a lot. Half the time you don't even know that they're happening out here, you know, but we don't have, you know, we're fortunate not to have tornadoes and hurricanes and, and, uh, we'll get a lightning storm every now and then, but anyway, there's, uh, there's other things that we, that I pay attention to, uh, you know, when I'm on a job, you know, as a safety kind of thing, it's kind of, you know, uh, I just like, you know, information gathering for, for lack of better words. So I'll run like a police scanner, right? So I can hear when I hear fire, fire truck going or, uh, just like a, a scanner scanner. When I hear fire trucks, I can, you know, I know if they're coming to our job site or not, because, you know, sometimes shit happens. And people call 911, you know, as opposed to calling the superintendent. So scanners usually running in the background on low. If uh, if there's a NOAA thing, it'll pop up on it. So we can get the current, you know, weather emergency directions. Um, I think we've got a few tornado warnings out here, but they've been pretty quick, you know, down and gone. But the but Noah, you know, tracking Noah weather. I got that on a few things. Uh, we use a secondary uh, device, you know, like a, a scanner on our phone. You know, if we if we see something, uh, we can flip that on real quick and just catch real quick. You know, does it involve us or not? If not, you know, whatever. Um, I've had some 
heard some sirens and, and turned that thing on and, and realized that uh, they were in a police chase with some dude shooting at them and they were headed right our way. So uh, as opposed to, you know, running and hiding, we, we threw some great owls, great owls, you know, some entrances real quick and they went blind, blowing by. Um, and we kind of eliminated an opportunity for them to come, you know, have a shootout where we were. So, so there's just little things like that. You know, if you're, if you're clicking with everybody on your job and you've got the safety culture going and you can, uh, communicate with everybody pretty effectively, you know, that's a, that's an important thing that keeps everybody safe. Uh, did we save ourselves from some chaos? I don't know. But you know what? I'd rather not know by doing what we did than not doing anything and finding out, you know, some bad shit the wrong way. So definitely, definitely not uh, not, not going to look back on that one. The, um, you know, so, it, so I'll run a NOAA in the background. I'll run a, run a scanner, um, like a desktop one. And, you know, you're not going to catch everything, right? So, so there's some, some other information. Um, I like, um, uh, like walkie talkies. I like using those because they beat the cell phones. You know, I can get to a guy a hell of a lot quicker with a walkie talkie than I can, uh, than a cell phone or a text message. Right. So I may deploy, you know, a handful of those things out, you know, to all the foremans. And they got to come sign in and out anyway, so they can kick it on the charger and pull it off the charger in the morning. But at least that gives us instant communication across the board. So if something does happen, um, especially with my my emergency plan, you know, I I may be the the guy that's calling nine one one in that emergency action plan, and then there may be people, you know, directing people, and there may be guys that are doing first aid and. There may be other guys that are directing fire trucks. There may be somebody going out to the street to help identify where that entrance is so somebody can get on. Because even though you have an address eventually on your job site, the way in that you're using now may not be the way in that is going to be there eventually. And so you may have to help uh, direct EMS uh, emergency services to, to get you know access onto the job site. And in some cases, you know, there's some departments that you got to have a fire road available around the building. They've been out there and investigated it. Um, you may, uh, something I like to do too is uh, try to find a cop um, without being a douchebag about it. And, you know, if you're getting coffee or something in the morning and they're inside, you know, just ask them, you know, like, what's it like in the neighborhood? Just kind of get some info, you know, if they're, um, if they're busy here at night, you know, maybe you do need a security guard if you don't have one. You know, things like that will, will typically add up. And then I'll, I always offer, if you ever want to, you know, through the course of this with the department, if you want to come in and do some training, or I, I have a, a, a building big enough for you guys to do that. And there's some things you can, there's a lot of things you can do in there now that won't affect, uh, you know, the final product. And so... You know, if, uh, with some police departments, I've ran uh, uh, the the guy with the, the the bite suit, and they've run their dogs through there, right? Uh, that was pretty fun. And then I've had others where uh, volunteered some shit, so a SWAT team was clacking off <laughs> flashbangs and and going through doors and things like that. And you know, if I do do those things, I try to do it, uh, 
well before we're painting. Okay, don't don't offer that shit at the end of the job. Okay, because um, <laughs> I did that one time, and it uh, we had to repaint some walls because uh, you know some shit happened. So. Not the end of the world, but you know, just you know, whatever. So, uh, but trying to figure out like gathering that information, um, you can get it from firemen too, right? You know, what are they, what are they dealing with constantly? At least in your part of town or, or in this neighborhood or or whatever. I had a job one time in Sacramento, and I wanted to do the we had a crazy amount of street work, right? And this street work was like on a major road in town. I'm not like you get Sacramento, that's it. But it was on a major road in not a nice part of town. And the public works guy, uh, <laughs> he's like, you need to do this in the daytime. I'm like, come on, man. Traffic is bananas out here. Like, here's my plan. And, and I had a schedule and I had a face map and, and I had how I was tackling each things and I had a map that correlated to my schedule so he could see pretty quickly, you know, through the different colors as I, as I color coded this whole fucking thing, you know, what my intent was and, and how I was going to approach it. And, and then he could see his timeline and, um, he wasn't too keen on it because he was always, he wanted to do it all in the daytime. And I think there was some other shit going on <laughs> that, that whatever, um, but I made a deal with him, you know, I, and the, and the reason why I made a deal, I, this is my deal. So I said, okay, I, it, I'll do it in the daytime if I absolutely have to, but can I do it? Can I start this work at night? And then can we agree that if anybody in this neighborhood complains to the police department, I immediately shut it down and I, and I moved to daytime work. And he thought about it for a minute. And uh, about that time, you know, through that intersection, um, we were setting up some traffic control and, and whatnot in the afternoon to, you know, do a little signal thing. And a cop rolled up and started chit-chatting. That was part of the thing. And, and we got their opinion, too. And they said they didn't care, you know. But if somebody did complain, they would come and, you know, tell us to, you know, knock it off because there was a... You know, they're a, a noise ordinance, you know, for town, whatever. And, uh, well, not whatever, but, you know, I was trying to be respectful to it. But I knew that, I knew what the answer was. I knew once I got their buy-in, I knew that nobody was going to call. And and I got the buy-in from both, you know. And, and the officer, you know, God bless them, like they're not going to be able to, like, tell me yes or no on anything. So that was fine, but I but we did get that opinion. So with my inspector, he gave me the green light. He said, "Okay, first person that calls and I hear about it, you're done. You got to do it in the daytime, no problem." And so we went to work, and yeah, we went for it, man. And as we progressed, you know, like a month later, and maybe a few weeks later, he's like, "I don't know how you're doing this, but you have gotten zero complaints." And I said, "I know, I know, we're not going to get any." And he's like. What did you do? Pay off the whole neighborhood? I said, no. No, I'm pretty sure nobody's going to call the cops in this neighborhood. And he's like, why is that? I said, because I watched that house get hit by the SWAT team. I pointed to the other side of the street. I said, I watched that house get hit by a SWAT team. I've seen so many houses get hit by a SWAT team that 
I haven't seen anybody complain. I don't think anybody's going to complain. This is not the neighborhood for that. Now, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful because we didn't point lights at houses. We didn't do crazy stuff. Um, and I went and put a little sign, you know, unless somebody was like screaming at me, I went and tried to talk to everybody, you know, and ask them, you know, do you mind? And nobody said they cared. They wanted it. They wanted us to do what we were doing because it was cleaning up some stuff. It was pretty good. So, so thank you to that neighborhood. Um, and, and I guess thanks to the SWAT team for, uh, scaring the shit out of everybody so they wouldn't call the cops, which is not good too, but whatever exploited the situation for what it was, everybody was safe. It was safer for us for the most part. And, um, and we got done and, and that neighborhood's, a, I don't know, it's, it's, uh, it's expanding, it's cleaning up. People are painting their houses now. It's looking pretty cool over there. So I think those are things that, you know, grabbing that information and, and paying attention to your surroundings kind of has impact on how you can make a schedule, has impact on how safe you can be. Um, cause I, I was really adamant about working at night because it was much safer for all of us. Uh, we had a few incidents, you know, that, you know, crazy guys and machetes, but uh, that got dealt with too, but that's another, that's, 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 that's another conversation another day. So, um, the other thing that I'll try to pick up too is, uh, is going down and meeting with people at the city, trying to get the idea of, you know, how they see things because their perspective is going to be a little bit different than, uh, the people that actually live there, you know, in the, in the neighborhood you're in the, um, the news is a good thing too, right? Do a little history search, um, do a little crime map, you know, statistic thing. Just, just trying to just get info, you know, as much as possible. Uh, if they have a local TV station, try to watch that news, you know, in the evening, just to try to pick up because we're in the community, you know, especially if we're traveling, just try to pay attention to that stuff. And then building allies, you know, because eventually I'm going to want to go on vacation and I definitely want to go home because, you know, family can't do it without me and I can't do it without them. So, so there's got to be, you got to set aside that time and, and plan that in there too. And in order to do that, you got to, you're going to need some allies. And so if you have another superintendent, maybe you trade off weekends, right? If you're working weekends or you've got a security company that, you know, is legit because you got to if you got a security company and you're going to go home for the weekend, you know, you need to delegate that guy that's with you or that gal that's your, your, you know, your co on the job to receive that phone call. So they're not constantly calling, like people are not constantly calling you. You gotta, you gotta be able to walk away from the shit for a minute and take a break. Cause if you don't, this stuff will start consuming you. And, uh, and that's, that's not a good thing because then we start making bad decisions, right? And then we start letting people slide and then we become tired and then we have a crappy attitude. And so, so my last piece of advice is, you know, just planning in that time away. Um, and, and you should be able to put that on a schedule, right? You, I mean, we schedule everything else. We, we should be able to schedule, you know, getting out of there and going home. And if it's predictable, then other people can plan too. And so, um, gathering all that information, building your, your, your culture, uh, to create that environment that you're trying to achieve that, you know, in a positive way. Um, 
And and then, you know, giving, you know, taking a break from that too, you know, like I, I could do this crap every day, but I know that eventually I get burned out and then I have a, a fucking attitude. And so you got to go home, you know, so make sure you're going home, make sure you're, you're, you know, got some kind of side hustle or some hobby or something like that. Um, but don't let it consume your day, right? Don't let it take over. You don't want to do that either. I've talked about that recently. So my advice, you know, work on your culture, on your job site, keep everybody safe, and uh, and make sure you're giving yourself credit for the good work you're doing because we're all doing something good. So make sure everybody else knows it too without bragging. You know, you can, I mean, you can brag and talk shit like I do, um, but sometimes it's just easier to put in your daily log and move on with it. You know, I that's typically what I like to do when I was, you know, out in the wild. So everybody uh, stay safe and keep grinding.